Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, and today's guest is Lion Goodman, and he is a transformational coach, an author, a healer, and a teacher. At the age of 26, Lion was shot in the head four times. This near-death experience kick-started his five decades of research into the nature of consciousness, developmental psychology, spirituality, and healing. He created the Clear Beliefs Method of Trauma-Informed Therapeutic Coaching, which he has taught to more than 500 coaches, healers, and therapists around the world. His training is accredited by both the International Coaching Federation and Association for Coaching. Lion, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I am looking forward to this conversation. First, thank you for having me on your program. It's a great delight to be with you. I'm looking forward to it. Now, in doing my research on you as a speaker, a teacher, and I found a lot of things that were extremely interesting to me. One was that near-death experience. It blew my mind. No pun intended. That's a good pun. Would you like to share that experience? Sure. This is my famous story that's been published widely and a film has been made based on the story. I'm going to shrink it down. It took eight hours to happen, so I'm going to try to do it in two minutes or so. There's a lot of shrinking to do. I graduated from college with a degree in consciousness study, and nobody was hiring people with degrees in consciousness studies at the time because there were no such degrees granted. I was one of the first, so I couldn't find a job. And I didn't really want one to begin with. So I ended up selling gift items and jewelry through traveling around in a van around the Southwest U.S. I did that for about a year and a half. I was making a living and exploring the country. And I was a young guy, 26 years old, not really sure what I was doing, but having a good time, a hippie salesman. And because I was a good Samaritan and I liked people, I would stop and help people whose cars are broken down or needed tire change, that kind of thing. So I was going from Las Vegas to L.A. through the Mojave Desert. And in the middle of the desert, it was 100. 10 degrees out. There was a guy on the side of the road looking down at the engine of his car, the hood up, and it looked like he didn't know what Valley was doing. So I stopped and I said, can I help you in any way? And he said, we just put $200 into her and she won't start and I don't know what to do. And I said, I'm heading into LA. Do you want to ride? And he looked at me funny and he said, yeah, okay. And he took his stuff, his duffel bags and stuff and brought it into my van, which was already pretty crowded, shortening the story a lot. He ended up traveling with me for three days and I was being kind to him. I was giving him some clothes and books to read and talking and took him under my wing like an apprentice. And I grew to trust him and sent him on errands with my van. And then the third night out, we were camped out in the middle of nowhere and east of LA. And I was in the back of the van, crouched down, moving stuff around to make more room in the van because I had these wooden cabinets. And he was in the front of the van and suddenly there was an explosion 
explosion. Something hit me in the head and obviously shocked me. I looked up. I thought maybe the gas stove had exploded. It was intact. I looked to my left and there he was with a gun pointed at my head from the front seat. I was 26 years old. I had studied death and dying and spirituality and psychology and everything, but I thought first, maybe he's warning me. And at that point, I realized, take it. It's all yours. It's like, I wasn't that happy with it anyway. So take it all. Take my life. Don't leave me outside in the desert. And I think I said, it's all yours out loud. I'm not sure, but that was my attitude. And then he shot again. And I realized he's not warning me. He's going to kill me. Now, at that moment, I had a choice of how to respond. That's our responsibility. What's our ability to respond at that moment? And my first thought was, if I'm going to die, I want to die clean. I don't want to die with anger or upset or freaking out. I want to die clean with my past. And so I basically went rapidly through my past and asked forgiveness from all those who I had hurt. And I gave forgiveness for all those who had hurt me because I wanted to leave a clean past. And then I began to connect with Source, God, and said, I guess I'm coming home because I couldn't defend myself. He was 11 feet away. I knew if he intended to kill me, he was going to kill me. And so he shot again. So the second and third bullets missed me by fractions of an inch. And by this time, I was out of my body, kind of looking down at the van, at this interesting little scene going on and looking up to Source and being filled with this golden love light. Okay, I'm coming home. I'm ready. And later in reconstructing it, I realized that I didn't really know my future. I was fumbling around in life, not really being clear about my future. And I realized at some point, oh, this is why I couldn't figure out my future because I didn't have one. So I'm outside with this kind of 360 degree view of everything, including the van down below with two little people doing this little thing, which was amusing to me at that moment. He shot a fourth time. This time my head was violently thrown to the side and blood rushed down and I was back in my body which I thought was weird because I was supposed to be out of my body, but I was back in my body and experiencing the pain and the blood Mm. and wondering what was going on. And because I had studied anatomy and physiology and dance and many things about the body and also neurology, I said brain also in college, I was checking to see what's missing because if the bullet had gone through my head, something would be missing. My ability to sense or my mind or my emotions or something would be weird, but felt intact. And I didn't understand that. I was checking all my systems and going, it's like, I seem to be all here. And so I thought, well, I'm still alive. So if I'm going to die, I want to at least look my assassin in the eyes. And so I picked up my head, which was bleeding profusely. And I turned and I looked at him and he freaked out. Wow. And he said, why aren't you dead, man? You're supposed to be dead. And I didn't know the answer to that question. So all I said was, here I am. Because I was still in this glowing golden love light. It's like, I was not normal. I was in some other's altered state, right? And then he said, it's too weird, man. It's too weird. It's just like my dream this morning. And that was my too. I went, what dream? And he said, I dreamt I was shooting at this guy. I was trying to kill this guy in my dream, but he wouldn't die. But it wasn't you. It was somebody else in the dream. And at this point, I thought, okay, who's writing this script? And how did I end up in this movie without signing a contract? So it was just too weird, too weird. And so I thought, okay, here's a second chance. Here's a chance that I might not be killed because the cosmos was playing some kind of trick. And so I began talking to him. He kept freaking out and he said, shut up, just shut up. I shot you four times. Why aren't you dead? And I said, maybe I'm not supposed to die. And so 
he's looking outside. We were in the middle of nowhere. Nobody would have heard the shots anyway, but he was adrenaline because he just shot somebody four times. And so I thought if I could just talk to him very slowly and calmly, I might be able to calm him down and maybe he won't shoot me again. But he had at least two more bullets in the gun. I didn't know whether it was a clip or a revolver, but I knew that I could die at any moment. And so I just stayed calm. I talked to him calmly and to cut a very long story very short, we ended up talking for eight hours because he was transformed as well as I. He went from intending to kill me to caring about me. At one point, he decided to take me to the hospital and decided he couldn't do that because he would go back to jail. And then I found out, oh, he has been in jail. Anyway, it's better and better. A series of revelations that resulted in us trying to figure out how are we going to get out of this together. Ultimately, he had to trust you. Exactly. He kept saying, I can't trust you, man. I can't trust you. You're going to turn me in. I'm going to go back to jail. I can't do it. And I just kept opening new possibilities, opening new possibilities. What about this? What about this? What if we did this? And he kept saying no. But finally, we came to an agreement that I would not turn him in and he would never do like that again. And we shook. We drove to a place that he knew. He took out his stuff. I gave him some money and jewelry he could pawn just to help him out. And I drove myself to the hospital. And when the surgeon was sewing my head up, he asked what had happened. I told him and he said, well, you're a lucky man. Two bullets bounced off your skull. Wow. And I said, yeah, it's not luck. It's blessed. I'm blessed. I got to be reborn without having to go through the diaper stage again. That's really great. Basically, I had to recreate my life from scratch at that point. And I certainly didn't want to travel anymore. Yeah. You know, I have a thought about the bullet kind of bouncing off your head. I just thought about this. Do you think that there was an energy force around you? that caused the bullet not to penetrate, but to be repelled in some way? From a spiritual perspective, yes. I sometimes say I had a hard aura. From a physics perspective, because I also studied science, I was completely relaxed in my state, this cosmic love. And when the bullet hit me, it actually caused my head to turn over and that allowed the bullet to glance off. If I had any tension, anger, upset, my neck would have been stiff and would have blown the top of my skull off. So my being in open, spiritual, relaxed state saved my life. That's amazing. That's amazing. So as a result of all the education, that's another thing that I found fascinating about your background is that as a very young person, according to the information that I read about you, you had individuals in your life that were very informative about things that go beyond the obvious that led you to study those subjects in college. So though you might have graduated and thought, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. The reality is that all that information, there was a purpose in it to some degree. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm now using all that education in what I do now. As a headhunter, after I got my head hunted, I became a headhunter, which is ironic. But I had a 25-year career in executive search and I raised family and did the householder thing. But all that time, I was also studying different things to try to understand more about consciousness and who I was and who you are and who we are as a society. And so I'm an avid learner, even while I was doing a kind of standard corporate. And so all of that education is now here and how I train other people. Absolutely. So in your book, Creating on Purpose, you co-authored that book with Dr. Judith. Yes, Anna Day Judith, right. Yes. And there's a lot that's contained in that book. How much of the practices do you use? Quite a lot. My specialty is in clearing the past, clearing limiting and negative beliefs from the past, clearing traumas from the past, clearing the issues from the past that prevent people from moving forward in their life. And the fact is, is that most people are stopped in what they want to do or create in life, not by external circumstances, 
but by the internal voices and processes in their head that have them give up. And so if we could clear out all of that stuff, then they could move forward and create what they want in life much more easily without resistance. So that's my work is helping people clear the past so they can be more present for themselves and for other people and create a better future, which is what the book is about, how to create in your life, how to create what you want in your life is the second half of the, the first is clear out the junk, the old programming that prevented you from being your full true self with your full self-expression, with your full creativity and your knowledge that you're a wonderful being. Right? So all of the voices that tell you that you're a crap or that you're not worthy or that there's something wrong with you, that stuff's got to get out of the way first before you start creating. Otherwise, it's just going to get in the way while you're creating. And then you got to beat on it or go to therapy every week for a lifetime or <laughs> take a dozen workshops that you feel good after, but then you're back to the same self to 10 days later. But by permanently clearing out the past and the beliefs, the belief layer, the core of what makes us a person, what gives us our personality and our ego. By clearing that stuff up first, then when you want to create, you can create cleanly. That makes a lot of sense to me. In fact, it, it causes me to reflect on all of the seminars with some of our high profile influencers and teachers and leaders that are created to help you have a breakthrough, quote unquote. Before you have that breakthrough, you've got to deal with the stuff that has broken you. And if you really want to have a breakthrough, there's pre-work that needs to get done so that you can clear the path of realization and actualization. Exactly. It almost seems like a waste of money and time because right about now, the beginning of every year, everyone's coming out of the woodworks. You got this talking head, that talking head, everybody's talking you, they're going to solve your problem for you. But the reality is that you've got a lot of internal work to do. That's really what my point is. For me, every workshop and every train, every pundit has something of value to offer. Problem is that it goes in, you have a pie. It's like, oh, I feel so good the next day. I'm ready to go. And then pretty soon you're back to your old patterns because it's the old patterns that are running you, not your conscious yeah. mind. If our conscious mind was running us. We would just go and create whatever we want without any resistance. But that's not what happens with 99 percent of people. Some people have enough will that they can just push through that internal dialogue and just do it. And you get a lot of those people teaching, just do it. I know that. I've been through those sessions yeah. and it really boils down to that. I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I'm going to tell you to just do it. And that simply doesn't compute. So let me ask you this question as it relates to working with the subconscious mind through your transformation, what does that look like as you're working with individuals? First of all, I want to say that each person is unique, that everybody's got their own unique form of subconscious mind, very unique set of experiences. So we have processes, I teach these processes for dealing with that, but I can't say generally what does it look like because everybody's different. And that's one of the problems with tools people teach is that if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so someone will have a breakthrough with a process or a technique, and then they learn that technique and they start using it on everybody and they get mediocre results because it isn't appropriate for everybody, but they think it is because it worked for them. So mm -hmm. that's another problem in the workshop training 
world and therapy as well. What we do is we know that there is cause for everything that's happening. And we're after the cause. What in your past, where and when in your past, did you that particular conclusion or belief that's now running your life? For example, here, I'll share one of the techniques with you that's fun to share with our listeners. Close your eyes, feel what it feels like to hold the belief there's something wrong with me and just feel what it feels like in your body to believe that. And I invite everybody to do this. There's a particular feeling or sensation that occurs when you believe that particular belief. And Jeanette, what does that feel like for you? It feels heavy. Any more specific? Where does it feel heavy? Where do you it know feels it? heavy and I'll just say it just makes me feel sad. Yeah. I feel a sadness. Good. Okay. So now let that go. Take it off like you tried on a suit of clothes at a department store and just get rid of it. Okay. Now close your eyes again. And this time feel what it feels like to hold the belief. I am a sacred and worthy being. What does that feel like to you? It felt very illuminating. It felt very illuminating to the point that through my eyelids, I actually saw light. Cool. So what I just illustrated was that our beliefs create feelings. And so if you're walking around with a particular feeling, that means there's a belief at work that's that feeling, right? Now we have tens of thousands of beliefs. Not all of them are negative. Some are, I can do anything I want, or I can accomplish my goals. I'm a good person. But then we also have beliefs about ourselves, about other people, about the world. So we're interested in clearing the ones that are making it a problem in your life. There's also neutral beliefs like that is a cat. That is a belief. It's just everybody agrees to it. It doesn't create any emotional. So we're interested in clearing the ones. And so we start with a person's condition. What's going on for you? What do you want to accomplish that you haven't been able to? What are you frustrated by? What are you feeling that's holding you back from your full self-expression? And then we work our way backwards to find out what belief is at the core of that, what's causing it? It's causal level of the mind. And then we have techniques to actually clear it out completely and permanently. And when you clear it out completely and permanently, then everything changes. That's true transformation because it's no longer there. That feeling just is gone. And that's what our clients usually report is the thing I've been carrying around, that burden I've had my whole life is just gone. And it's pretty miraculous. That's amazing. That's amazing. So let me ask you this question as it relates to different cultures of people who may carry a belief system, a core belief based on the history of their ancestors or of their people or their tribe or their family, and they carry that belief that prevents them from moving forward in life. Can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. All beliefs, social beliefs, historical beliefs, family beliefs, these are all some of the sources of these issues and problems that we have. Now, if you grow up in a family where the belief is we're poor, we'll always be poor, and the society is against us, that's a really deep belief. But it's just a belief because we also know people that have gotten out of that situation and made a life for themselves, right? So when we look at the belief, we look at that particular person's taking that belief on and making a life out of it. We can clear that kind of belief as easily as a conclusion, I'm no good or whatever. So we were born with very few beliefs, just a few instincts, like how to suckle and how to survive. But our parents start giving us beliefs right from the very beginning. Oh, look at little Jeanette. Isn't she so cute? She's going to grow up to be a doctor. So the infant is going, I'm, my name is Jeanette. I'm so cute and I'm going to grow up to be a doctor. So we get programmed from the very beginning. We actually take on some programming while in the womb. 
If the mother is afraid, for example, her hormones are going right through the placenta into that baby and the baby's experiencing fear right along with the mother and is concluding at some level of consciousness, life is dangerous. So a baby can come out already afraid of the world or angry with the world or whatever the mother happens to be feeling. So the cultural beliefs that you're asking about are part of our belief structure. And they're often the source of the things that hold us back. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're talking about individual beliefs and individual resistive beliefs. Then some people ask the question, well, how do we change the social structure? We change social structures by action, by activism. So you want to change the cultural beliefs. It takes time, sometimes decades, right? That happens from social action. I think that's why we're here. You know, this is why we're having this conversation, because of the importance of the work that you do and the importance of people having an opportunity to see others like you who have defined the chapter in the life that they're in and are proactive and are activated and creating ripples in their community or globally. That's what it's about. Each one of us doing our part and collectively, that's how change happens. Yeah. And we have to do our own work first. Some people just go right into social action. That's okay. But but then it's coming from this place of, I'm going to change the world. Change yourself first, and it'll be easier to change the world. You know, that's my philosophy. It's valid. We can see examples of that around us. So it's not that you have to be fearful of some of the individuals who come out strong, forceful, and convincing. But it begs the question, have they done the work? You have to use discernment when you determine that you want to follow someone because of what they do. Do, what they say, or what they look like. So as we continue to embrace the realities of you talk about the subconscious mind, rising up to the conscious mind and using discernment and things of that nature to actually figure out what your purpose is or what your path is. I know we're talking about starting with yourself and either defining or redefining or getting clear on purpose by clearing out some of the junk so that you can be on a path. Do you also work with individuals or groups of people who are wanting to actually embrace a path of purpose that's more humanity driven, if you will? Absolutely. Purpose is part of what I do with people is first clear out the junk, as you said, and then say, okay, what is my life purpose? I have a particular viewpoint about it, which is that we're each here for a divine purpose, a soul-based intention that we came in to fulfill, and that we can find out what that is with guidance, put you in touch with a part of you that knows your purpose, whether it's your soul or your higher self or God, it doesn't matter what we call it, but there's some part of you that knows why you're here. And so I can help you get in touch with that part of yourself, and then you can get into a dialogue. When most people want to talk to God, they say, hello, God, and what they hear is... (laughs) too much interference, right? That's the interference of the ego that doesn't really want you talking to God. Because if you ask God, what should I do? It's like the ego does not want to hear that. So the ego protects us from that divine guidance. But if we can, we have ways of clearing those voices out of the way so that when you say, hello, God, you hear, yes. <laughs> can I ask you a question? Of course. So some people have that naturally. They have that, that deep connection naturally, but people who don't, they can get it because it's available to them. The next chapter experience provides a platform whereby 
our listeners and now our viewers will see other people who are living their life on purpose. And I think that purpose always has to do with other people. Nobody's purpose is to make a lot of money. That's not of interest to the soul. That's an ego-based purpose. But soul-based purpose is always for the benefit of humanity, for the benefit of others. Some people have a very specific purpose, like your purpose is to work with children who are disabled and help them have a great life. It can be that specific. And some purposes are much more general, like your purpose is to love. Who should I love? Love everybody. Everybody you come kind of just love. That's your purpose. That's what you're here for. Just love, love. So, you know, it's an individual thing. Again, it's not something we can say generally. And I think that the only person that can really find out your purpose is you. It's not me telling you what your purpose is. It's you to find out what your own purpose is. And once you know that purpose, then it becomes the rudder of your ship. So you can actually guide your life in that direction. You also have a choice at that point. Once you know your purpose, you can say, yeah, thanks a lot. I'm just going to go have a happy life. Forget it. (laughs) That's one choice. Another choice is I'm going to dedicate myself fully to my purpose And I'm going to give everything to the purpose. And another is a kind of a negotiation saying, okay, I want to fulfill my purpose, but I also want to have money and be comfortable. And so it's a negotiation between ego needs and soul needs so that you can craft a life that works for both your ego and your soul. Those are some options once you discover your purpose. It doesn't mean you have to throw yourself fully into it and live a life of poverty because your soul wants to. Understood, understood. Many of the people that I'm in contact with or intersect with are those who have had careers or involved in careers. And what they do career-wise is simply what they do career-wise and their lifestyle is based on their value within that career, let's just say. But more times than none, the conversations I'm having with people is that their careers, though fulfilling, was just that. Now they are looking for more meaning in their life and looking for ways to fulfill that meaning once they understand what they can do or what they're capable of doing. Absolutely. I'm sure you've heard that phrase that some people spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to get to the top and find out it was leaning up against the wrong wall. So those are the kinds of people that that you and I work with. There's people who have fulfilled their ego needs and gotten somewhere, and then they're still lacking the meaning. They got the ego wall, not the meaning wall. So then it's a matter of finding their way back to their original purpose. And often the life and career, like my headhunting career, which was 25 years, served a purpose too. It got me to be a responsible citizen and a family, and a father and a husband and raise a child. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's part of our life stream, but especially as we age and we get to that place where the kids are gone and they're grown. Now what? Yeah. And for most people that I talk to are now looking at their careers or looking back and said, you know what? Great career. Learned a lot, grew a lot, made the money that I wanted to make. I'm living the lifestyle, but now I want more meaning in my life. You know, so I have a choice. I could basically continue to do what I'm doing, which many do and have a line drawn in the sand when I get to this point, this is what I'm going to do. Or when I get to this point, this is what I'm not going to do. So it's just interesting in terms of the choices to your point that people make as they continue on. The problem with those lines in the sand is they usually keep moving. Get to this place, then I'll be happier. When I get this much money, then I'll be able to relax. So that line just keeps moving forward. So the decision to seek meaning really comes from deep inside. It's mm-hmm. the one where the person says, I'm so unhappy doing what I'm doing. Something's got to change. It's when the real motivation occurs. Sometimes that isn't until the 50s or 60s, and some, in some cases, 70s or 80s. But hopefully you reach out before you die. So you have enough time to actually fulfill that purpose. And I think whenever it happens, unless you're so unhappy, 
unhappy, that it makes you so depressed that you can't do anything more than what you're doing, then that's a bad situation. But if you should choose to have a career or some type of vocation after a certain period of time, I think that's everyone's choice. I determined that there was more to learn, more to experience, more to do, and more to impact. And that's basically where I'm at right now. As I continue to stay inquisitive, because that's one of the things that you mentioned as well, is being inquisitive. And you strike me as a very inquisitive person. Yeah, curiosity or us. My wife says, what are you doing? I say, I'm watching a video on four-dimensional cubes, <laughs> hypercubes. And it's like, everything interests me. I was very fortunate in having early teachers who said, if you apply knowledge to yourself, everything's of interest. History, this is the history of me and humanity. Physics, this is a physical body. So I'm operating on physics, chemistry, biology, philosophy, economics, po- politics. It's all relevant because I've made it relevant. I've made it so by saying, how does this apply to me? And so I give this advice to young people when they're going off to college. It's like everything can be applied to you. To You are an infinitely interesting, complex being and everything applies to you. And then suddenly everything's relevant and now it's interesting and now I have a passion for learning it. I think it's fantastic. In fact, I visited with a gentleman who wrote a book called Shift Your Thinking, Mr. Tolbert. And he talks about being inquisitive and also using your imagination. And as I was reading some of your work, that struck me as well, being creative because you're a creator and being inquisitive, being open to learn and to expand. Because of who you are and what you're doing and the life you're living now, this spreading interesting information to a wide audience and giving people a chance to hear new ideas and to explore themselves and to find what's true for them inside. That's my goal is to get people in touch with their true self. The true self isn't separate from any part of us. It is the whole that is all of us, physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, the spiritual body, the energetic body, the historical body. It's like we are multidimensional beings and our experience is multidimensional because right now you're seeing, feeling, smelling, experiencing, and our beliefs are created out of our experience. So beliefs are also multidimensional. In my work, the breakthrough that I came up with is that in order to really clear belief it has to be cleared multidimensionally. Because you hear it mentally. It's okay, I'm, I'm deciding to think something different. The problem is that doesn't have anything to do with the subconscious mind where beliefs are stored or your emotional body that responds in a certain way to a certain circumstances. But if we can clear it, the whole thing multidimensionally, then it's gone and it doesn't come back. And that's the real key to the work that I do is clearing things permanently and completely so that it's no longer a factor. Say that thing that's been holding me back just isn't there. That's true freedom. That's beautiful. I love that. So what's next for you? What are you working on right now? What would you like our listeners and our viewers to know? First of all, we offer a monthly free program to inquire about your own beliefs and people can register at beliefrelief.net. We'll inform you about our monthly programs. Come as often as you want. We do different topics, sexuality, money, finance, human relationships. It's a different topic every month, but it's great fun. And we basically explore what do I believe about that and how relevant are those beliefs today? Or am I still carrying old beliefs that are in the way? And then we have our clearing programs. So that's one thing that we're doing is just spreading the word, spreading the joy of exploration more widely. I'm also taking my training, which is called the Clear Beliefs Coach Training and turning it into 
an institute. So we're now training teachers to teach this material to their audiences. We certify people in clear beliefs method of therapeutic coaching. That's very exciting too. So we've got this growing population of, of coaches and therapists and healers who are taking this technology into whatever they do. It's not the sort of thing that you have to do this exclusively. You take the tools, it's a tool set, and you apply it to whatever you're doing. So if you're a manager, you could apply this tool set to your work with employees. If you're a CEO, you could apply it to your work with your whole company. And if you're a doctor, you could use it in working with patients. So that's what we're doing is we're expanding and spreading this tool set as widely as possible. It sounds like a master plan right there. I love that. If someone's on my mailing list by signing up for that or for one of my free eBooks at clearbeliefs.com slash eBook, they'll be informed of all the things I do, workshops I lead and the trainings I give. My favorite things are coaching and teaching. So I do a lot of one-on-one coaching work and help people create the life they want. And then teaching these methods to other people. Those are the two main things I love doing and it makes so happy to do them. It's like, it's hard to call it work. It's so joyful. As we close out, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate you making time for me in the next chapter experience today, Ryan. I greatly appreciate what you're doing and I am very much cognizant of the importance of the work that you're doing. So thank you for that. Thank you, Jeanette. It's a true pleasure to be here and to be with your audience. You're a great interviewer and great. So it's clear the work you've done on yourself is palpable. I'll say it that way. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I wish you a wonderful day today. And I hope this is not the last time that we speak. I know that it won't be. So again, thank you so much. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated and left a review or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations. So until then, keep that fire burning.